Today's episode of The Thriller Zone with David Temple is sponsored by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller. Hello and welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple, and welcome to one of the fastest growing podcasts in the world. You could call us, let's call it your front row seat to the best thriller writers in the world. That's what we are. And you know, every once in a while, we debut authors. The debut authors who are breaking out with their very first killer novel, we feature them. As in today, T.R. Hendricks has a book called The Instructor. And I don't want to go in too much because I want I want you to hear all the juice in the show, but this thing is dynamite. It is hot. It's on fire. It drops this week. His debut is this week. It's a big, big week for T.R. Hendricks, and I am thrilled. We've been talking about getting together for well over a year. And as they say, the planets have finally aligned, and I could not be more happy for this guy. He has lived it, researched it put in the sweat equity, and he deserves everything coming his way. So put your hands together, kick back and relax, pour yourself a cocktail, whatever it is, iced tea, you name it, and get comfortable because you're in for a heck of a ride for a guy who is right there on the edge and about to skyrocket into the atmosphere. Please welcome T.R. Hendricks on The Thriller Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, first of all, welcome to The Thriller Zone. I'm your host, David Temple. T.R. Hendricks is with us. We're talking about the instructor, and boy, oh boy, oh baby, oh baby, oh boy. So good. That's what I like to hear. That's an intro right there. (laughs) Welcome to the show, dude. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, like uh, we've been saying online, it's it's a long time coming, and I'm I'm pumped. I'm 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 so happy to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me, man. The pleasure is mine. I got it. We're going to get to the book in a second, but sure. a couple of things. I was going. I was drilling down in our D, uh, DM messages on Twitter, and I'm like, all right, how long has it been since I've been talking to Tim? Yeah. And I check back, and I go, my, our first DM was Thanksgiving 2021. Wow. Okay. Because I think let's see, I launched in June of 21. Okay. Yeah. And then you started showing me some uh, TZ love. And I was like, man, this guy's just coming out of nowhere, love on me. And I'm like, dude, thank you for your support. That was in Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Coming up a uh, few months later, two, three, 22, five days before my birthday. Thank you very much. Yeah, you, birthday. yeah, you and I reached back out and we discussed, hey, you know, you said maybe one day we can collaborate on a show. And I'm like, dude, count on it or something yep. to that effect. Yep. And here we are a year and two months ish later. You're a debut author. You got a kick ass starting out of the gate rock star novel. Mm-hmm. And you're on your way. It's it, it it's wild. It's it's um just today is like the, the first day that it's like really, really hit like like full on hit like a, a freight train because everything leading up to the debut um, 
it was like, have I done enough? You know, there's always something not to do. You know, it's, it's, if I'm not working on books two and books three, you know, editing or, or creating it's, have I done enough blog posts? Have I done enough podcasts or social media? You know, have I reached out to all the people that I can do? Have I done everything that I can do to make this launch as successful as possible? You know, and it starts with writing a good book, of course, but, you know, but then pushing it from there. And um, so there was, there was always like that distraction. People would be like, oh, aren't you excited? It's, it's four <laughs> days away. It's, it's three days. And I'm like, yeah, but I, but I got to still do this, this, and this. And then like, it, it finally like hit where it's like, okay, it's, it's out in the wild now, you know, it's, it's done. And I can just sit back and enjoy, um, the ride at this point. So it's awesome. It's, it's a great time. Dude. I, uh, <clears throat> As you know, being a fan of the show, mm-hmm. I've had, uh, what, a hundred and, I don't know, 20, 30 people on, and um, I've had some biggies, and the biggies are as nervous as you are. The biggies sure. are as wigged out as you are. The biggies wonder, who did I talk to the other day? And this blew me away. Oh, uh, Robert Degoni, Bob Degoni. Okay. And he was telling me, I, I don't know if he said it on the show or off the mic, but he said, oh, David, yeah, every time I get the jitters, I wonder, is this book crap? Is anyone going to like it? Are they going to, what if they go, oh, Bob, you just dropped the ball this time. I'm like, you're kidding me, dude. Yeah. You got like 20 some books. Yeah. I'm, That's, like, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that it's not just uh the rookies coming out the gate that that have that feeling because uh that's a that's a little reassuring that those that are you know 20 books in are still getting those those butterflies and jitters every time they put pen to paper as it were yeah yeah D- dude i have to take and may i call you dude sure call okay. me whatever you like it's your show i'm i'm just here i'm here for the ride baby I got, uh, I love, as you know, I was up, er, I was up at uh, 4.50 this morning trying to uh, finish the last of this book. And wow. I was doing a little bit of social media posting on your behalf. Mm-hmm. I appreciate and, that. Yes. And of course, I've looked at you for quite some time and a uh, nice beard, by the way. Thank you. But what, what's really nice is the sweater. And I was like, <laughs> I, I turned to my wife, Tammy, do you think? Do you think Tim's going to show up in a sweater? I mean, he's, he's always wearing a sweater. Or maybe it's just because he's wearing a sweater um, on his promotional. Maybe he always wears a sweater. I think I've seen him wear a sweater. So I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have this ready. Welcome to T.R. <laughs> Hendricks, the instructor. It's a beautiful day. Oh, <laughs> I got to take off my, my, my dress shoes and put on my sneakers just to sit down on the couch. <laughs> it's T.R. Hendrix. Wait, here he comes. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> That's great. So I, I, do, I do love my sweaters, though. Yeah, I love uh, the ease of putting on just a sweater over over the attire during the winter. You know, it's, sure, it's, sure. It's well, just having some fun with you because I saw that and I'm like, I almost, I almost broke out my big fat cardigan because I sometimes I will dress to match the guest. I used to do it with Ted Bell. Oh yeah, rest his soul. Yeah, um, I'd uh, I'd put on a suit and an ascot sometimes, and I have a martini in my hand, and we do the show. Nice. <laughs> you should have told me we would have done cardigan uh, episode. It would have been great. You know, we could have like 
changed midway through and stuff. You know, just just kept having costume changes. It would have been fun. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe we'll do that for the sequel. We'll, you know, okay. We'll, just, uh, we'll have a cardigan session. Yeah, cardigan Wednesday, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to. I got a couple of things to cover. Anybody who follows you on social media, like me, knows that you love your family, mm-hmm. your 49ers, mm-hmm. and your woodworking. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. Everybody knows this, which okay. is totally cool. And if you haven't followed him on Instagram, we'll tell you about how to do that later in the show. Yeah. But on a professional note, Mm-hmm. They likely, some will likely know that your former United States Army captain who served as a tank platoon leader, then a military intelligence officer. Now, I'd like to know something. If you were to boil it down, by the way, thank you for serving. I thank you. I appreciate that. If you were to boil it down and had to list, let's say the top three things. I don't want to put pressure on you, but I want to get to know you in a way that I haven't gotten to know you before. So all right, give me three things that you learned in the service that, um, that you think that, uh, they can be, these are the things I learned in the service that really helped my career. Mm. These are the things in the service that helped me save my butt. And I'm kind of referring uh, as it relates to the book or, These are the three things that really, really set me on my course to becoming who I am today. Uh, Okay. Uh, That's a great question. Um, The (laughs) stuff that immediately comes to mind is a couple of, you know, uh, army slash military mantras. Um, No plan survives first contact, right? It's, it's, uh, you can draw up the greatest plan in the world. You can have everything ready to go, all the details, uh, and then the moment um, hijinks ensue and, and stuff starts flying back and forth both ways, um, that plan can go out of the wind, you know, go right out the window. Uh, and, and you need to be adaptable. You need to be resilient. Uh, you need to be calm under pressure. You know, it's coming from, you, you know, all ranks, you want that, but particularly on the officer side, because your men are looking for you for that leadership. Uh so, you know, that certainly translated over into civilian life that, that, hey, you know, sometimes things aren't going to go the way you think that they are because you have your plan laid out and just because it's perfect and in your mind, everything's going to go accordingly, life throws you curveballs, you know, and, and you got to be able to adapt to those and move on. So that was... That was a huge lesson, both from just the the service aspect and then the deployment side. Um, that was that was really a, a big takeaway, as as I think the top one I would have to say. Okay, well now as we head toward the instructor, because I want to make sure for those folks who don't stay with me for the entire thirty five to forty five minutes <laughs> that uh, I get all the good stuff, all the juice, all the heat sure. up front. Yeah. <clears throat> But here's what I'd like to know. How does that past as intelligence offer, officer inform your writing today? Because I'm telling you something, without breaking out into my review and such, it is so clear that you know what the hell you are talking about. So how does that past inform that writing? Outside of the obvious that, well, I, I learned this, so I wrote that in the book. Yeah, I, I, I think... Um... And I I recently did a a piece on this where I described this also, where I'm amazed at individuals who 
weren't necessarily on active duty or, or who didn't uh, deploy, how well and convincingly they can capture military veterans and military training, you know, guys like um, Nick Petrie and, and Connor Sullivan come to mind right off the bat, you know, and, and just two guys that I read their books and I was like, they had to have been veterans themselves. They, they, they nailed this. And then I was surprised that they weren't, you know, so um, it's not necessarily a, um, a, a prerequisite that you have to have it, but in my experience, you know, just both, from being in the army, uh, being on active duty, having two deployments to Iraq under my belt, uh, having gone through the schools that I went through, it just lends a ease of authenticity to my writing, you know, where, where I can pull so easily upon um, what the sights and sounds are like, I can tell you what downtown Baghdad smells like, you know, I can, I can tell you how the sand um, would part over your boots. Like it was confectionate sugar, you know, like, like those are descriptions and details that other people can incorporate, but they have to do like the research for it. And, and, but having been there and lived it and, and, you know, I hate to be cliche, but the write what, you know, it, it certainly comes through. Uh, and that goes for everything, not just from the experiences, but like the, the day-to-day interactions with, you know, the Iraqis or, or my fellow soldiers, um, the experiences that we were in, the situations that we were in, uh, the, the, like you alluded to, the training that I've had and the, and, you know, the different intelligence methodologies, it, it all goes into the, the mixing bowl as it were, you know, and then I sure. stir it on up and throw a bunch of crazy in there from whatever my, my imagination can come up with. And people, <laughs> it's funny. I, I um, have read um, a lot of the reviews on Goodreads in particular, and a lot of people come forward with like, man, I wasn't ready for, for how violent this book got or, or, or there's some, some brutal scenes in it. And I'm like, it's kind of normal for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm like, well, um, like, man, I'm, I, I really am messed up up there, but that, that's how it comes through. And that's, uh, you know, how, how uh, that has helped in the writing. Yeah. And there's a couple of things I want to ask, and I don't want to dive into a place that you're not comfortable. So you can uh, push it aside if you like, but you know, this cat, uh, Derek is, uh, he's a little effed up in his head, rightly so. Certainly. And, and I find myself as I read authors like yourself, I find, oh my God, I have no idea what it was like i think i have an idea yeah. i watch television i think i have an idea i watch movies oh yeah i got a pretty good idea i got no idea with the shit that you guys went through and what you bring back and how it stays up in your cranium and i wonder do you suffer that do you suffer it and go you know what it was part of what i went through i can compartmentalize it because it was yesterday because i'm now in the states i'm safe and secure with my family etc or are those those deep dark moments in the back of your head in the dark of the night when you wake up in a sweat and you go, Oh yeah, the, okay. I'm not there. I'm here. Yeah. Um, and the answer is both. Uh, wow. and, and it's not, um, it, it's, it's, uh, not off, um, topic. Like, like I'm, I'm 
perfectly comfortable talking about it. And I actually like using these opportunities to discuss it because I personally feel that the more I relate my experiences and the more um, just knowledge there is out there about PTSD, uh, the more people can advocate for the services that they need. And you never know. I mean, this is a, a podcast about thriller novels, but maybe there's a, a vet or maybe just somebody who experienced trauma out there that says, wow, you know, this is the wake up call that I needed. And and yeah. that's kind of the path that I led. You know, it, it's been a long, bumpy road, you know, since I got out in 2008. Uh, it, I like to call it a roller coaster because it has its peaks and its valleys. And, and when you're high, it's great. When you're low, it's 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 hard. And I got really, really low. And it took the better part of a decade plus of counseling and um, just going through things and, and these rough episodes um, that finally brought me to a place in just recent years uh, where I was able to accept the things that not only happened over there, um, but accept how it had impacted my life after the military and all the hardship that had come with that and the reintegration that had come with that. Um, and so that puts me in a, a, a good place as we sit here now discussing about it, but it certainly wasn't without its trials and tribulations. Uh, and, and the writing actually was a, a big part of the therapeutic process for me, because um, like you said, jumping up in the middle of the night, screaming or, or crying or, or putting uh, my wife at the time in a, in a headlock, you know, like it, those things happen and they happen often. And my particular symptom that was uh, so devastating was these infinitely intricate, detailed, horrible nightmares, you know? So, yeah. um, I started because I was always a decent writer, you, you know, through high school and college and everything. So I started writing those nightmares down on the pa on paper, you know, I'd, or I just I type them out when I'd get to work because if I didn't, it was just living rent free in my head, you know. Wow. So I found that if I put the nightmare onto the page, it somehow expunged that you know, a horrible experience of the, of sure. the night before. Uh, and I, and I, and I wrote some really messed up stuff. <laughs> it's like your, your brain just like, it comes up with things when you're sleeping and you think your guards down, but it's not. And yeah. uh, that kind of like, I, I very early on, I learned like, okay, this is a, a therapeutic method for me. Uh, and then I started writing more and more like short stories, and manuscripts and, I would incorporate more and more of my experiences into the writing. Um, yeah. So again, I could lend that authenticity to the characters, but also it was a healing process for me as well, you know, to expunge that and get it out. Yeah, I, I get that. And, and the, uh, yeah, <clears throat> you used a great word. Uh, it's healing catharsis. Yeah. And you said a, something a second ago that made me think, and I want to make sure I get this point across because you made the phrase, oh, write what you know, which mm -hmm. I used to go, yeah, whatever. We're mm -hmm. writers. We get to do it. You know, we, that's what it's what we're doing. We're creating shit. Sure. 
However, <clears throat> as I have progressed through the years, I realized that, yeah, that does make a lot of sense because of the authenticity and the minutia of details with which you can tell a story. Mm -hmm. Like little tiny things in this book, the instructor that you say, that I found myself, especially when it came to survival, and I'm going to say this again in a minute, mm -hmm. I found myself going, oh, and I'm, I was a boy, I was a Cub Scout, Boy Scout, Eagle Scout. So oh, some wow. of these things, okay. is, yeah. yeah, so I, I got a pretty good working knowledge of it. But I was like, wait a minute, I, I don't recall ever that. Yeah. Um, like, for instance, I'm going to pull something out of the thin air. Um, <clears throat> the way you got out of a plastic cuff. That was brilliant. Okay, that mm -hmm. was good. Mm -hmm. The way you carved a knife out of a rock but it was the type of rock in the water that you found that enabled you to be able to chisel it off to the point that you could get a good edge to be able to create it and i'm like okay i did not don't think i know that yeah so any tiny little things that made me do that but here's my point uh tim sorry i went off on a tangent here's what it is you don't have a problem with though like you mentioned connor uh, uh and um and who nick. Else did you? Yeah. nick right yeah. both guys did not serve however you buy it when they talk about it. You really yeah. buy it. Now, I'm going to admit something. I, <clears throat> When I first started writing, I thought, I'm just going to try my hand at something. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any different. So I just made up this character and I went with it. And I did mm -hmm. a little thing called NaNoWriMo and I banged out 50,000 words in a month. And I'm like, yep. okay, it's a great exercise. Now, I'm a, I'm a veteran of 9 myself. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't beat it, NaNoWriMo. So, but what I did was I wrote something that I was interested in, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge in. So I kind okay. of faked my way through it. He's a former military, he was former sniper, okay. uh, retired, la, la, la. Now, if I handed it you to, to today, I wouldn't hand it to you today because it was my first, well, I wrote three in a row and it's mm -hmm. my first attempt and you'd go, well, you evidently, <laughs> you evidently didn't know this. And right. it's clear that you're not aware of that. However, it was my interest and I was just trying to do the exercise. But the real point I'm trying to get in is you read an author and if they don't have the true experience, but they show in their work that they do know what they're talking about, you got no problem with it, do you? You don't uh, care. Not at all. No. Yeah. I, I, I mean, my biggest fear as an author um, and, and I like to um, joke around with, with friends and family that know that I was particularly in the army because I write about a Marine protagonist and an air force, uh, antagonist. And it's like, why did you choose those two services? Because even though we're all in the military, the, the terminology is different. The procedures are different. The slang is certainly different. So I've had to do a lot of, um, research, you know, to get down to the minutia of, okay, what would the air force term for a pilot, a slang term for the pilot be for the ground crew that fuels the jet and wants to, you know, uh, give the guy a hard time. You know, like, geez, I got to go find that because I don't know it off the top of my head. And, and what is it? Like, um, zipper suited sun gods, I think. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I felt it was very appropriate from what I've learned, you know, um, but <laughs> Uh, I, I jest, I jest. I, I, we're all on the same team, but exactly. Um, I, my biggest fear as an author is an Air Force veteran uh, picking up the book, and like I'm talking specifically about the sequel now, but like 
picking up the book and, and going, that, that's no, that's completely wrong. That would like, you know, that would never happen. Or, um, you know, survival, people that are interested in wilderness survival and hiking and camping and everything like, you know, no, that's, that's completely wrong. He made that up. This guy obviously lives in the city and hasn't experienced the night out in the woods ever in his life. Um, which isn't far from the truth. Like I, I don't regularly get out into the woods. I'm not a survival expert, um, but I am a very good researcher and I do have primary source uh, friends who are survival experts that were willing to lend some of those details. And that's where they merge together with the writing is, okay, I can, I can take these seemingly innocuous points of, the, church, the the Onondaga Chert, which is you know something I researched with the, with a friend telling me about how to make a stone knife, you know, uh, with percussion uh, napping, and I can blend that into the story, um, and I don't have to necessarily know it. Like I'm never going to know everything. I'm not going to be a 30 year survival expert, you know, right. who, who built his own teepee out in the back, uh, right. you know, woods of Arizona or anything. So you're never going to get to that level, but could a survival expert pick up my novel and be like, okay, this guy is, he, he, he did enough research and put in enough details in the right places to be convincing that, you know, uh, this is how, you know, this character would actually go about things. And, and that's yeah. my, my biggest uh, point with, with the authenticity, you know? Okay. And that is the perfect place to take this pause. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss some of the key elements in the book. And it happens to be survival skills. Imagine that. What great hey, time. what about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're with T.R. Hendricks on The Thriller Zone. We'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by The Story Factory and the upcoming visionary genre-bending debut novel, Grand Theft AI by James Cox. In San Francisco 2051, kids now get high-slotting wafers of data under the ear, and they'll pay fat crypto for the best at the hottest club in the city, The Fang. Thief Baz Covain and underworld fixer Rhea Rose team up with a crack group of cyber misfits to steal from the Fang's psychotic kingpin, Otto Rex. But first, they'll have to hack into his mind and infiltrate his highly secure lair of physical and virtual firewalls. It's a score that could set them up for life, if they can survive before Blackhawks touch down with federal warrants for Grand Theft AI. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available for pre-order now. The best thrillers, the thriller zone. And now, back to the show. And welcome back. We're with T.R. Hendricks and his debut thriller called The Instructor. And we're going to, yeah, over his shoulder, in my hand, this thing <laughs> is, here, here's the thing. It's a hell of a read that you, you're you going to want to be ripping through the pages. And there's a lot of times when I get a thriller, I want to rip through the pages, of course. But then, again, like a tasty steak, I want to savor it. I did yeah. not want this thing to end. Right. <laughs> All right. We mentioned before the break, Tim, that we uh, were talking about survival skills. So I feel like I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway, how much of the pure survival skills are on point, as I say, meaning 
no movie influenced Rambo BS, but I mean, like how much percentage wise, roughly of, because there's, this thing is packed full of survival skills. You could almost read this book and go, if you picked me up and threw me in the wilderness, I could almost get out of it alive. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, thank you for that. That's, that's a, a compliment. Like we said earlier, you know, that's the, the authenticity that I like to go for. So, um, and I love hearing that. I love hearing that from readers who are like, oh, I can't wait to grab my backpack and go hiking now because I read your book. I'm like, well, just don't, don't, you know, go out into the woods, you know, where they have to send search and rescue after you, you know, because I don't want, I don't want anybody putting that on me. Um, <laughs> but, but um, yeah, the, the, um, I would say the vast majority, like 95% or more oh. is all, factual, um, survival, you know, um, mantras and, and, and proven theories and practices that, that these experts have utilized, you know, in terms of, um, using the rule of three, you know, the, the three days without shelter, uh, well, I mean, three days without water and, um, I'm screwing them all up now. Again, take not, your time because this expert. Is, <laughs> that's okay, but but there's a few that in there. You, you can go. You can go many days without food, but you can only right. go three three days. I think it is without water. And yeah. I think another thing I learned is it was the the order in which you need to prepare yourself: mm -hmm. shelter, water, fire, water, yeah. fire, food. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like, okay. I mean, you would kind of assume that but yeah those are the, well my assumption was always um water first you know and then they're like nope shelter because and i think that's what the the rule of three was it's like three hours without shelter three days without water and then three weeks without food is roughly how it goes and you just don't realize how vicious exposure to the elements can be. And that's why they say, no, get your shelter built first, you know, because yeah. sleeping out in the rain, you, you know, it's a death sentence. You're, you're done. You know, you can go a couple days without water, you know, so you got to work towards those. Um, I, I did mesh them up a little bit. Not that those, the, the, the rule of three and the four priorities aren't um, established practice. They are. I just, kind of mashed up how Derek himself prefers to teach them to his students, you know, and sure. kind of, kind of puts a couple of the priorities on an even plane, but um, things like uh, um, using the dog bane plant or how to scrape um, dry tree so that you can have Tinder for your fire, you know, how to actually do a Tinder bundle and, keep the bundle in your hands moving in a figure eight so that the coal doesn't wink out while you're taking another breath off to the side uh, and the smoke doesn't, you know, get in your eyes. Those were all things that were either researched or imparted on to me by a, a, a very close friend um, who is a survival instructor, you know, and we would, we would talk over these things and had a couple of uh, phone sessions where he would give me, uh, these tidbits and whatnot. And I would just kind of mesh them all together. If I had to pick one without spoiling anything, mm -hmm. if I had to pick one thing that was maybe a little embellished that, a, uh, that a real survivalist would roll their eyes at, it's probably the use of the slingshot. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
but I liked it, you know, I said, and I have fun with it in the sequel and it's, you know, it's just, it was this interesting thing to me because there's so many like, you know, different guys have different things that there are their specialties. You know, one guy's got a ninja star or whatever. And I was just like, what's, what's something that could be very plausible in a survival situation um, that really hasn't been done yet or at least not done to my knowledge. And so I said, uh, let's, let's give the guy a slingshot and some ball bearings and and go from there. That was fun. (laughs) It's so funny. You should mention that. That's the only thing, you know, that phrase called taking you out of the story. Yeah. So there was, I, I, that's the only time in the whole book that I went, wait a minute. Rubber tube, piece of leather, ball bear, precision. R- really? Is that? <laughs> and then, because I used to shoot a slingshot. You know, I had one of those as a kid. Everybody, sure. every every boy had a slingshot at one right. time or another. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta really, really, really practice. And 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 I think it was the distance with which and the specificity with uh, and the ease with which he killed that I was like, wow, he must really be good at that. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. That, that that's when you got to take with a, a little bit of uh, plausible deniability. But yeah, and Tim, that's why they call it. Fiction. Fiction. Thank Hello. you. Hello. How you doing? You, I mean, come on. All you uh, slingshot experts out there, don't at me. You know, don't, don't be. <laughs> oh, well, you know, your ball bearing was an eighth of a circumference larger. Like, get out of here. You know, it's, yeah. It's, just, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's you come stuff. over here. I'll show you some ball bearings that'll break your face. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you what we can do with that rubber tube. Yeah. yeah. Come over here. Show come me over here. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm gonna fit. I'm gonna wrap that little piece by going. I like the details. I can suspend my belief. It doesn't yep. matter. It's an escape from the ordinary life. That's why we read. That's why we read. That's why we write. Yeah. Now, in fact, I'm gonna tell you something. This is really interesting, and, and this popped into my head about halfway through the book. For some reason, and it's I'm going to sound like Captain Obvious, so that's mm-hmm. okay. All right. But I'm surprised it took me this long to come to this full realization. But while reading the book, I came to really appreciate, like in a new way, exactly why I and other readers like me so thoroughly enjoy reading the type of military thrillers that you and Don Bentley and Jack Carr and Brad Taylor and Andrews and Wilson, to name just the few that pop off the top of my head and who've been on the show, minus Jack Carr, because he can't get on the show just yet. But all of that is because we wish, and this is what it is. And I'm like, how did it take me so friggin' long to realize this? It's because we wish we could have experienced what you did. In mm. some form or fashion. Okay. I know you were in the shit and I know it was hot and, and hairy in a lot of different ways, but in some form or fashion, here's the key. And I'm and it's gonna sound a little over the top, but I I mean it. We want to be heroes just like you guys were. And I I I deeply appreciate that sentiment and and I think it's great. Um I wrestle with being labeled as uh, a hero. Um, I I think I served my country. It was something I wanted to do since I was a boy. It was a life goal. Um, You know, and while I experienced some of the um, 
more extreme and unsavory portions of service, uh, you know, namely things blowing up and people shooting at you. Um, (laughs) There's always somebody that's experienced more and has experienced uh, greater hardship and have done the truly heroic things, you know, the, the ones who sacrifice themselves um, for their brothers and sisters in arms, you know, the ones that jumped on the grenade or, or, you know, ran into a burning vehicle and pulled their buddy out, you know, uh, medal of honor winners. Like those, those are the, the true heroes. I, I did my part and I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's kind of how I view it. And I get it. And I get that. And look, <clears throat> I didn't want to get heavy handed on that. And I mm-hmm. realized I, I completely relate to what you're saying. And I'm not sure. talking about, I'm not talking about the hero on the pedestal. I'm talking about, dude, Literally, the fact that you showed up, yeah, the fact that you said, I'm willing to do this for my country, in part, makes you a hero to me. That's that's me. This is a okay. me thing. Okay. I, I, I appreciate that. It's because I, for whatever reason, back in the day, of course, I'm quite a bit older than you, son, so pull up a chair. Um, It's that I didn't, I didn't get the opportunity. I didn't do it, right? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. so it's, it's, it's the, you guys have done something that I, I go, God, I, I wish I could have done some of that. some of that. Now, sure. my uh, stepson is in the army. He's up in Fairbanks, Alaska right now. And he's oh, nice. uh, taking okay. care of business. Yeah. And, and I respect the hell out of that kid. And, uh, you know, he was one of those guys that played in the dirt and played army with his buddies. And that's all he ever wanted to do way, 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 way back. And he's living it today. And I mm. couldn't be more proud. And, uh, so, uh, Jake, to you, wherever you are, you know, take yeah. care. Um, anyway, I just want to say that uh, that's cool. Now, I got to get to what I love about the instructor. Okay. And and if you've been listening to the show as long as you have, and my friends who listen, um, <clears throat> you know I can be a little bit hyperbolic, maybe, because I get excited about shit. Okay, there. I get to do what I do best, which is talk to people and entertain and educate. And I love to read, but I got to tell you something. I'm going to dive down on this thing and you don't fluff this off. Cause I mean, every word I'm saying, I don't, All I don't right. just like blow hot air up your skirt to make you, Oh, he, well, he liked me. Yeah. Not about <laughs> that. So here's a few things I like. Number one, strong, open, First line, everything capable of combustion has an ignition point. <laughs> That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words, and I was already in. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that line. That That's like one of the best lines I've ever written. Dude, that opened the door, and I, 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 I shit you not. I went, mm-hmm. okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you go right into it. The key to survival is knowing when and how to produce the flame. Okay. And then now I'm like, okay, I know it's about flame. The cover says it's about flame. He's survivor, survivalist uh, instructor and so forth. Anyway, so there's number one, number two, and on a semi-related poetical fashion, the exceptional slow simmer, mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. you know, Man, that was tasty. All right. <laughs> Masterfully calculated backstory. 
Meaning you didn't lay, you didn't, you didn't lay as, as an old girlfriend of mine, you say, I don't, I'm not giving you all the candy in the lobby, buddy. Um, <laughs> and that was cool. Number four, the way you drip, drip feed, drip fed your reveals. Mm-hmm. Drink, drink just a little bit of time. These are all things that I really like folks in case you're taking notes. Memorable characters, well-drawn, not over the top, not cartoonish, not, not stupid, great characters. And perhaps most importantly, here's my favorite part. And the guy on the cover, the bottom of the cover says it. Mark Graney, big fan of the show, been on here several times, a regular, said it best with his blurb. Packed with action, tension, and humanity, the instructor delivers. And probably my favorite part of that is the humanity, which really shines in this book. Let's absorb that for a moment. Yeah. Isn't that good? That's, yeah, that's that's, that's, a high praise from both you and Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, as far as I'm concerned, you got Nick Petrie. Crackling with intensity, vivid with authenticity and emotion. In the back, you got Mark Graney on the cover. If you need, if you need a blurb on your next one, just let me know because we can probably fit it up in some corner somewhere. Yeah, sure. And don't forget right. uh, Simon Gervais and Connor Sullivan. They also <laughs> they also blurbed it too. So yeah, just great guys and great supporting um, encouragement from them along the way. I'm, I'm I'm deeply fortunate and grateful for for their endorsements. Will I save the sip of fine scotch or the robust, robusta cigar for the end? Because this is my finale. All right. And I think the best compliment I can pay you, and I don't think I exaggerate very often on the show, maybe not too much, but it, and it no takes away, it takes away nothing from the masterfully talented, superbly gracious man, Lee Child. But I think Derek Harrington is the next new Jack Reacher. Wow. You heard it here first, folks. Whoa, that's, I mean, wow. That's, that's, wow. I thought you said high praise before. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's awesome. And let me tell you why I say that. This is not just, ask anybody who really, really knows me. And I don't sit around and hyperbolize too much because here's why. This guy reminded me of Jack Reacher a lot. Mm-hmm. The way he enters the scene, the way he suffers all these skeletons in the closet and the harrowing nightmares and the disgruntled, uh, broken apart marriage, et cetera, and the little boy. I mean, there's so many things. And he's big and he's bold and he's broad and he's bashing brains and kicking ass. But the humanity and the, uh, well, the humanity of him, the, the, yeah. the heart of him, comes right. through in so many different little ways. And I'm like, man, I just want more of this guy. I just want to see what he does next. And I want to see it. And I thought, you know, Tim's going to, he's got a hit on his hands. I mean, I wonder if people understand how big of a hit he has and does he understand it? Because I think it's, I think it's northbound, baby. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I mean, from, from your lips, right. You know, let's, let's hope it, uh, it takes off the way it is and, and we can have uh, a long standing um, relationship with Derek and, and all his supporting cast, you know, that that's the dream right there. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm always said that being a published author and having my book on the shelf was like a lifelong dream. 
if I get to do that repeatedly, I mean, wow, that's, that's just icing on the cake. You know, that's, that's where we're going from there. So I got this theory I'd like to share with you. And I don't know how your, what your belief in God, Jesus, higher power, heaven, hell uh, is. It doesn't really matter uh, in the big picture. What I think it really matters is how it resonates inside your soul. Right. Sure. But, but there's this without getting preachy. Um, and I may or may not leave this in the show. I may cut it out. Who knows? But here's this thing I have. And I grew up as a PK. So I know where I'm coming from when I say this. PK is okay. a preacher's kid. There is a verse in the Bible somewhere uh, where it's talking about he, God will give you the desires of your heart. Mm. So here's my theory. I don't believe that a higher power will use that. God, universe, will give, will, will embellish you with a certain myriad of beliefs and or passions mm -hmm. and then develop in you and allow you to develop yourself because you are God in and of yourself to develop those talents rise to the occasion, want to perpetuate it and then go, Oh yeah. Yeah. About all that dream stuff. Yeah. No, you're not going to actually get it. Psych. Right. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that happens. I think mm -hmm. if that is your desire and you're wove and it's woven into who you are and that's your path, you're going to get it. Yeah. And that, that's, I I'm, I'm on board with that because that's something that I felt from the very early on when, when I started writing and, and seeing that I had a talent for it. And then certainly when I made the decision, the conscious decision to be like, I want to pursue not only publishing, but being traditionally published, you know, and, and, and getting my book on the shelf one day, the doubt of will I ever be able to achieve it never really settled in. Like I, I never doubted myself um, because I knew I had the, the talent and I knew I had the determination and the perseverance to get there. Now, I didn't know when I was going to get there, but I was willing to take those hits in stride and just put my head down and keep going. Um, so that that's kind of the, the biggest advice I have for other writers out there with the same dream is, is don't quit. Just believe in what you have, believe in what you're doing. You know, you have to put the work in talent only gets you so far. You know, it's like the NFL draft. It's, it's, you know, th there's the guy that can run the, the four one forty, but you know, the guy that outworks him runs a four flat. Uh, so you, you know, you got to put the work in, you got to perfect your craft, you got to do your research. Um, but if, if you have that belief, you have that determination, you'll get there. And that's honestly how I felt is I'm going to get there eventually. I don't care if I'm 80 years old, eventually my book will be on that shelf because it, it feels preordained to me. You know, it, it, there's no doubt in my mind that I'll achieve that goal. I just got to put the work in to get there. Bam. Boom. <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that right there is that, that I love hearing because that tells me you got, well, you got the goods. It's, it's very obvious you got the goods, but that you got the heart and the drive. So I want my listeners to walk away with that. And of course you anticipated my finale question because you've listened to the show. You know, I always end the show with what's your best piece of writing advice and you just did it. And I didn't even have to ask you. Yeah. See unprompted. We got a rhythm going here. You know, oh, baby. I am. We're I, synced I, up. Chills. <laughs> All right. The only thing left to do. And you know, uh, I thought, you know what? I'm going to 
save this. And if he wants to play along, if you got an extra couple of minutes, folks, sure. today we're recording this on Tuesday. The book drops today. This will actually air on Wednesday. So today's your big day. I know you're you're stopped up to here with the promotions and marketing. Yeah. So if you want to give me 60 more seconds, we can play rapid fire questions if you wanted to. Absolutely. Let's do it. This just in. All right. We'll start off easy. Pen and paper or keyboard? It's a favorite. Keyboard. Knife and a piece of parachute cord or fire igniter and a compass? Let's go with knife. That was a tough one. <laughs> uh, I'm good for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to dig a little deeper, Mr. Survivalist. You suddenly find yourself in the wilderness. You have shirts, pants, socks, and boots. Way good. However, you only have two things in your pocket to help you survive. Only two. What are they and why? Uh, well, I'd go with a ferro rod for, um, fire starting because, uh, it has thousands of strikes to it. So, uh, that's, you know, conceivably, hundreds and hundreds of fires that you'll be able to start. Uh, and then uh, I got to go with my um, stat gear survival survival knife because it's like this own little survival kit all in one um, super sharp blade, uh, but it's got all these incredible incorporated features. So it's like a very versatile tool. It's a bunch of tools in one. So yeah, I'm going with that survival knife in particular and my ferro rod. All right, I'm going to pause one second here. Survival Knife. Now, it, what's the brand name on that again? I'm going to give him some props. Stat Gear, S-T-A-T-G-E-A-R. All right, and the second thing, spell the ferro rod. F-E-R-R-O. Yep, and that's just a, uh, it's a it's an igniter so that yeah, it never. Striker. Yeah, 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 got like it. A fl like a flint and steel, that's all. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, and finally, if your attackers you're still back out in the wilderness. Mm, okay. They're on your trail. You suddenly came to a cliff with only one way of escape. How long? It's a long drop to a small body of water. You don't know how long, but it's pretty long. You don't know how deep, but it's maybe not very deep. Mm. Uh, what would you do? Would you turn and face the music or would you leap and take your chances? I think I would like to split the difference where... I set it up so that my attackers think I've gone over the edge. And as they approach it to confirm said leap, I come out behind them and kick their asses off the side. <laughs> True military mind at work, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're not going out without a fight. Yeah. All right, folks, to learn more, visit trhendricksauthor.com, sponsored by Author Bites. Author Bites. And follow him on Twitter at tr underscore Hendricks. Tim, this has been dead gum good. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome episode. Great, great stuff. I hope and I wish for you. I don't hope because hope implies I'm not really sure. I wish for you because I know. Huge success. You're right here on the precipice, buddy, right on the edge. I promise you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the support. I appreciate all the the shout outs and encouragement on uh, the socials. And uh, I, I can't wait to do this again. Let's let's come back in a year when the sequel hits. <laughs>
Well, speaking of which, there, uh, little Mister Literary Agent represented guy. Um, <laughs> when do you anticipate? I know you're working on the next one already. Do you yep. have a title? Are you talking about it yet? If you're not, it's totally cool. Yeah, the um, so uh, the sequel is finished. It's slated for this time next year, April 2024. Um, it's finished in the sense that I've completed uh, several rounds of revisions and turned it into my editor, Robert Davis at Forge. Um, and he has it now and he's going through his magic that he does. Um, so I'm waiting on getting that back and getting his letter and notes and going back into the process. But in terms of a complete manuscript, yeah, I've, I've already put the 100K words together for the sequel. Uh, and it's slated, like I said, April 2024. Uh, the tentative title, because it hasn't been uh, approved per se yet, but I've named it The Infiltrator. Um, so we shall see. Uh, if that gets approved, I haven't heard any detractors, you know, from it, except I think Brad Taylor had a book under the same title, which I didn't know until after I had written it, but whatever, right. you know, it's, it's fine. You know, yeah. different authors can use the same title. Dude, look at this. We got out in exactly an hour. Outstanding. Uh, huge day for you. So, so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. How about that? How good, right? Don't you feel yourself just excited for T.R. Hendricks, Tim, we like to call him? And this book, The Instructor, dynamite, just solid. You'll walk away going, you'll be halfway through. You'll be a third of the way through going, this is no way this is his breakout novel. But it is. And I loved it. I just can't say enough about it. Anyway, I'm your host, David Temple. I'll see you next time for another edition of The Thriller Zone. The Thriller Zone has been presented by The Story Factory and the visionary genre-bending debut novel Grand Theft AI by James Cox. The Matrix meets Blade Runner. Grand Theft AI is available now for pre-order from your favorite bookseller.